I'll ask you please to turn on God's word to the book of Jonah and the chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, and we'll commence our reading at verse 1, reading down to the end of verse 10. Jonah chapter 1, commencing our reading at verse 1. And the Word of God says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and casteth forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Amen. Amen. As we take our seats, let us turn again to the portion of Scripture that was read just a little earlier in Jonah and the chapter 1. I want to thank our brother Jonathan for leading the meeting and for reading this portion of Scripture. I would want to draw your attention to the opening verses of this book. And I had been seeking the Lord's face uh, for a series of messages or a book to study, and I believe the Lord has drawn me here to the book of Jonah. And today, just by way of introduction, we're coming to the opening verses let us read the opening three verses together again. Jonah 1 and the verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came on to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. 
But Jonah rose up to flee on to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them on to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And today I entitled the message, Fleeing from God fleeing from God. But let us unite together in a brief word of prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious and our loving Heavenly Father, we do praise thee for thine own inspired word. And we thank thee, our Father, as we come to consider thy word together, that thou art able to reveal the things of God to us And I ask our Father for the infilling of thy spirit, for that spirit of wisdom and of understanding to be granted to us. And Father, in all that would be said and done, that it would be God-honoring and God-glorifying. Hear us now and close us into thy presence. We ask these things in the Savior's great name. Amen. The story of Jonah must be one of the best-known Bible stories of all. And yet when we come to this book, the book of Jonah is a book that has been under attack down through the generations of time. And the question is always raised concerning the book of Jonah, is it true? Is the book of Jonah really true? Was Jonah a real person? And was he really swallowed by a great fish? And did he really go to preach God's word to the Ninevites? Or is the book of Jonah just mythical? Is it just a story? Is it just an allegory? Is it just a parable? Or is it in reality true? Well, thank God we have an answer And with the answer from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And if you were to look in the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 12, you find that as the Savior was speaking, that the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 12 were requesting a sign from the Lord. They wanted a sign that would prove his person, who he claimed to be, They wanted a sign that would show that what the Lord was saying was true. And in Matthew 12 and the verse 39, But he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas or Jonah. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And in those two verses, you can see the Lord referring to Jonah. And he says, Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And so from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we're learning that Jonah was a real person and that what happened to Jonah 
was really true. And in verse 41 of Matthew 12, the Lord goes on to speak about Nineveh. And he says, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. And so Jonah really did exist. He was a real person. He really was swallowed by a great fish and spent three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. And then he went after that to Nineveh and he really did preach to the Ninevites. And they repented. They repented of their sin. So the Lord Jesus Christ makes it so clear to us and he puts his stamp of authenticity upon this little book of Jonah. And we can be assured that what we read here in these chapters, it really happened. You see, the attack upon the book of Jonah and other books in the Bible is really an attack upon the inspiration of the Bible. And if anyone was to succeed in undermining even one book in the Bible, well, the whole of Scripture, the inspired record, would fall. But thank God we can rest upon God's Word and we can trust God's Word. This is the Word of the only true and living God. Most will, of course, be familiar with the whole story of Jonah. And it is such an interesting and intriguing little book. Just the four short chapters that you could read easily in one sitting. And if we were to give a rough outline of the book of Jonah, we would say, well, chapter one is rebellion. Chapter one is his running away from the Lord. And then chapter two is restoration because it was there in the belly of the great fish that Jonah prayed again unto the Lord and he was restored unto the Lord. And then chapter 3, well, that's revival. He goes to Nineveh in obedience to the Lord and he preaches God's word and he finds revival there at Nineveh. And chapter 4 is reassurance. And the Lord will come to Jonah and will grant to him that reassurance. And so today, by way of introduction, I want us to notice firstly the details about Jonah. And it's good by way of introduction just to remind ourselves of this individual character. And in Jonah 1 and verse 1 we read, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And here we're introduced to the central character in the book with the name of Jonah. Now names today don't really mean very much. Our names today just are used to identify us. But of course in the Bible, Names are very significant because the names that you come across in the Bible give us an indication of that individual. And they tell us something about his character. And the name Jonah 
has an interesting meaning. The name Jonah simply means a dove, a dove. And so it seems that Jonah was as a dove. And we know from the New Testament scriptures in Matthew 10 and the verse 16 that as the Savior was sending forth his servants, he was sending them forth and he said, Be ye wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. As harmless as doves. And so this dove-like character is something of the qualification and the criteria of a servant of the Lord. And Jonah certainly meets that criteria because it tells us that his name means dove. Hebrews chapter 7 and the verse 25, it speaks of the Lord Jesus. The apostle there describes the Savior as holy, harmless, harmless and undefiled. That dove-like character of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said to his servants they were to be as harmless as doves. And the apostle said of the Savior himself that he had that quality. He was harmless. Remember the baptism of the Savior. And it tells us that when the Savior was baptized, that the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him. And the Gospel of Luke describes it like a dove, the tender, dove-like Holy Spirit of God that descended upon the Savior. And so Jonah, by his very name, he's being described here as a dove. And it would indicate to us that he had the credentials to, to serve the Lord. His father's name is also given there in verse 1. He was the son of Amittai. And Amittai is only named twice in the Bible. And here's one of those occasions. And that name means my truth. And so Jonah's name means dove, and his father's name is connected with truth. And you could take from that that Jonah was a son of truth. A son of truth. And you can see a further qualification there of being that servant, that prophet of the Lord. He had a dove-like character and he was a son of truth. The other occasion where his father is named alongside him, the only other time that Amittai is named in the Bible is 2 Kings the chapter 14 and in the verse 25. And there in the uh, 2 Kings 14 and the verse 25, it said, He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath onto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath-hefer. And so you have there the Lord calling Jonah his servant, the Lord referring to Jonah as the prophet. And it not only tells us the name of his father, but the added detail, the further detail is given in that verse 
of his hometown. He was from Gath Hefer. That was the birthplace of Jonah. This name, Gath Hefer, it's a name that's connected with the wine press. That's what the name really means. The wine press was used to, to squeeze those grapes and that the, the juice of the grapes would flow out into the trough that would have gathered up that juice. And it was called the wine press. And the wine press in the Bible, it's used as a symbol of judgment. Judgment. It's prophesied of the Savior that he would tread the wine press alone. That was the judgment of Calvary where he suffered and bled and died alone upon the tree. And so here, whenever you draw these details together about Jonah, a man who had a dove-like character, a man who was a son of truth, and a man who by his hometown was connected with judgment, and of course that would come into his message and his ministry. But here we have a picture of one who is a servant of the Lord. And there are good characteristics even for today. These details that are given of Jonah, every servant of the Lord should seek to have these qualifications, these credentials to serve the Lord. And so we can learn from him. But secondly, I want you to notice not only the details of Jonah, but the duty of Jonah. And the duty there is given. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. And the duty of Jonah concerns God's word and God's will. In the opening words of this book, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And that's a common expression that is used to describe the Lord communicating with his servants, giving them instruction, giving them guidance and direction. The expression is used in connection with many other servants of the Lord. Elijah, you would read the word of the Lord, came. Elisha, and also other prophets like Samuel and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and there are others, the word of the Lord came. God revealing his will to man. And this word of the Lord, it comes with the very authority of heaven upon it. And therefore, when the word of the Lord comes, it is a binding message that is to be obeyed. And the word of the Lord came on to Jonah. The Lord communicated with Jonah. We don't know what means the Lord used. It could have been an audible voice. The Lord spoke to others like Moses and Abraham with an audible voice. It could have been by a dream. The Lord spoke to Joseph, for example, in a dream. It may have been by direct revelation just impressed upon the heart of Jonah. But the word of the Lord came on to Jonah. God communicated with Jonah. 
God revealed his will to Jonah, and God still today speaks to men and women. But it will not be with an audible voice. It will not be through a dream. It will not be by direct revelation. God speaks today through his word. And if you want God to communicate with you, if you want God to speak to you and to guide you, then you need to read the Bible. And God is able to instruct us and guide us and direct us. God reveals his will to us through his precious word primarily. And notice that specific word to Jonah, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. And there was a plea here from the Lord to Jonah, Arise, go, go forward in the Lord's name. You can see there was a place. It was Nineveh, referred to as that great city. A great city, the capital of Assyria. And Jonah was to preach, he was to cry against that city because it was not only great in relation to its size and to its population, but it was great because of its wickedness. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. As many large cities. It was a place of great sin. If you were to glance ahead in Jonah to chapter 3 and the verse 8, you have another indication of that wickedness. There we read, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Place of wickedness a place of evil, a place of violence. You would have the testimony also in Nahum. And in the little book of Nahum, you would find that uh, there is a word there describing the city of Nineveh. And you have it in Nahum and the chapter 3. And in the the verses 1 to 4, and they reveal again the wickedness of that place and that they were a brutal and a barbaric people. And so you can see that the man of God, he is called to go to that place and to cry against it because the wickedness had come up before the Lord. The details of Jonah and the duty of Jonah but I want you to notice as well the disobedience of Jonah. Whenever you look into Jonah 1 and the verse 3, you have there his disobedience. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so what the Lord had made very clear to Jonah, he had revealed his will. He had called him there to go to Nineveh and to preach and to cry against that great city. Yet Jonah rose up to flee and to flee from the presence of the Lord. Instead of obeying the Lord, Jonah flees from the Lord. Sometimes reasons are suggested as to why. Why did Jonah flee? 
Was it fear? Did he fear going to Nineveh because of the wickedness and the evil in that great city? Did he fear what would happen to him if he went to that place and cried out against it? Well, he doesn't seem to be a man who was given to fear. You know, whenever the storm came when he was upon that ship, and the sailors of that ship, they were fearing for their lives, but Jonah was asleep. Jonah was asleep. Then later in the narrative, you would learn that Jonah told them to cast him overboard. And he didn't seem to have any fear whenever they took him and they cast him into the depths of the sea. So whenever he fled from the Lord, I don't believe it was for fear of going to Nineveh. Others would suggest it was his prejudice. He had a dislike for the Gentiles. He was so patriotic about Israel that he detested the Gentiles and therefore being called to go to Nineveh, he didn't want to go to that people. He didn't want to go and to preach the word of the Lord to them. But I don't think it was out of hatred to the Gentiles that he wouldn't go to Nineveh initially. Those sailors on the boat were Gentiles. And it seems that Jonah had at least a concern for them. And he told them how they could save themselves. It was by throwing him overboard. And so it doesn't appear that he had the prejudice that some would say. Was he trying, was he trying to hide from God? Was he trying to run away and to find a place where he could hide from the Lord? Well, as a prophet of the Lord, I don't believe Jonah would have thought that for one moment. He knew the Lord was omnipresent. He knew that there was nowhere that he could go that he could hide from the Lord. And later in chapter 1 and the verse 9, he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. And so Jonah knew that he was the great creator of all the earth, and therefore there's nowhere he could run to hide from the Lord. So why did he run? What was the reason as to why Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord? Well, in Isaiah, the chapter 7, and in the verse 17, this would have been prophesied 20 or 30 years before Jonah. Isaiah 7 and the verse 17 the Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon thy father's house days that have not come from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And the Lord through his servant had prophesied that he was going to judge and chastise his people and he would use the Assyrians to do that. It's also mentioned in Amos chapter 3 and the verse 7 uh, that the lion would come and that lion was Assyria. And Jonah now who prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II, he reigned at a time when 
Israel was successful militarily, and Israel prospered under the reign of Jeroboam II, and it was able to extend its coasts and its borders. But under his reign, Israel was characterized by a spiritual and a moral decline in the nation. And therefore, Jonah knew that God had declared previously that he was going to judge Israel and he was going to raise up the Assyrians in order to do that. And Nineveh being the capital of Assyria, and it was a great city, and a city with great military might. Jonah knew that if he was to go and to preach to them, and that the Lord would be merciful, and that they would repent, that would spell judgment for Israel. And so Jonah knew what the consequences here were. In fact, Jonah will speak for himself in Jonah chapter 4, and then the second verse it says, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord God, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah says, that's why I fled, because God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. And if and when those Ninevites were to repent and the Lord is going to raise them up, well, that means judgment for Israel. And so Jonah, Jonah is faced with a stark choice. Is he going to obey God? And go there to the Ninevites knowing that that would mean judgment for Israel? Or is he going to turn from the Lord? Even giving up the office of the prophet and sacrificing his own life if necessary in order to save Israel. Well, we know the decision that he made. Our text of Scripture has shown us, but Jonah rose up to flee on to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And sadly, what we see here with Jonah is a man who is running away from the Lord. A man who's running in the opposite direction that the Lord wanted him to go. And a man who really now wants the Lord to leave him alone. The disobedience of Jonah. But then I want you to notice just very quickly the direction of Jonah. You look there in verse 3 when he fled unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, it says, and went down, went down to Joppa. And he found the ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And twice over in that third verse, you read of Jonah going from the presence of the Lord. And also twice over in verse 3, you find the Holy Spirit including the detail that he went down. 
And I believe the Lord would be teaching us a lesson here that to flee from the presence of the Lord is to go in a downward direction. If you look towards the end of verse 5, it says, But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship. You look into chapter 2 and the verse 6, Jonah, by his own testimony, he says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. And you have four times over here uh, the detail included that Jonah was going down. And to go away from the Lord and to flee from the presence of the Lord is to go in a downward direction spiritually. And for one who seeks to turn their back on the Lord, never prosper spiritually speaking. And you know, if Jonah's not stopped, the Lord doesn't intervene here. Jonah's heading for disaster. Jonah is heading for shipwreck. I believe the lesson that we can take from the message this morning is that to go away from the Lord is to face disaster, to face serious consequences in fleeing from the Lord. We know that Nineveh was to the east and Joppa was to the west. And so whenever he went to Joppa and he was going to Tarshish and he was going further west, he was going in the opposite direction that God had wanted him to go. Sadly, today we have to say there are many, there are many like that, maybe raised in the gospel and taught the things of God. But there comes a time in their life when they turn their back on the Lord. They want to go in the opposite direction. And they want the Lord to leave them alone. Well, we can see from Jonah, the lesson is clear. There are serious consequences. There's disaster going in a downward direction. So we have to ask the question, the close of the service today, where do you stand in relation to God's word? Where do you stand in relation to God's will? Have you submitted yourself to the Lord? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Are you saved? Are you following his word and seeking to live that life before the Lord that pleases him? Are you going today in the opposite direction? If your soul has never been saved and you're going away from the Lord, You're going in a downward direction that could end in you perishing in hell. Though today to see that with the Lord as it has been testified here, there is mercy and grace to the sinner. Even for one that has turned their back and has got away from the Lord and even would be backslidden in heart, thank God there's a way back. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that you may go in. Calvary's cross, it's where you begin when you come as a sinner to the Savior. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts this morning.